Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. We are in Matthew chapter 9 today. Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 35. Television goes through phases. Um, There was the time of the Westerns, uh, far far more than than I could name, Bonanza and Gunsmoke and and all the rest. Uh, When I was in high school, junior high, high school, it still felt like we were in the cop show era of T.J. Hooker and Hunter and all those, all those shows. Um, we are definitely on a, at least in the movies, we are definitely on a superhero kick. Sorry if you're sick of superheroes. They're not going away anytime soon from what we can tell. Two, two, of, the, two of the four highest grossing movies ever have been superhero movies that came out in the last five years. They're, people aren't sick of them yet. Um, goodness, uh, uh, CSI and NCIS, those were still awfully popular. The cop detective shows, those, those are still awfully popular. And, and, the, and the ubiquitous medical shows, um, ER and Grey's Anatomy, and, and uh, those, those shows go through phases. I think in some ways, I think that, that there's a common theme to these shows. Um, the Wild West shows were this, this rugged individual who saved people. Um, cops protecting the innocent, uh, doctors healing the sick. Uh, for all of our lawyer jokes, the purpose of the show is to show that justice prevails. Um, and, and so inevitable that we end up in the comic books, but the comic books just takes the hero trope and just takes it to the, to the extreme. Uh, I, I, I think... Uh, I think we like, I, we, we need our heroes. We like our heroes. And, and we want uh, the shows with the doctors and the lawyers and, and the police officers uh, looking heroic. And, and let me be very clear. I think, I think that these are noble professions, and I think they do good things for our world. Of, of course I do. And, uh, and, and they meet our needs. The only thing is it's just th- those, I, I enjoy, those who watch those shows and who are in those professions laugh and say, but it's nothing like that. There's nothing that glamorous about these shows. If you're in forensics, it's nothing like CSI Miami, where they've got the sunlight, evening sunlight filtering through these windows, and they get through their task in, 15, in a 15-second music montage, but it's not real. Um, the truth is that all of these, you know, it, court is nothing like Perry Mason. It's not realistic. Um, it... it the, We've 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 sensationalized it. We've we've taken we've taken these. We we want the heroics, but the truth is that if you become a lawyer or a doctor or or a police officer, it's not going to be like it is on TV, right? Uh, it, that that's it's not that glamorous. Um, speeding tickets and, uh, and 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 urine samples and research and eh, it's not glamorous. Um, we, we, we make it look that way on TV. 
but but the truth is it doesn't it, it isn't really that way and i think and that's that's most jobs um as a former locksmith uh let me be very clear picking locks is not a fifth, is not a 5 second task i've had i've had locks that took me hours i'm not great at it so i had locks that took me sometimes an hour or two to pick very boring preaching may seem like oh you only <laughs> the ever popular joke preachers only work a half hour a week uh the research the writing of the sermons takes time uh studying greek texts and and it's not it's not glamorous we jesus came to earth to meet the needs of the world not not our needs for medicine or law or justice his his heroism was bigger than that the needs of the world are jesus himself uh, we do we need medicine sure we do we we know this now more than ever that medicine is a good need that that it's a good thing to meet the need but, but there will come a day when i won't need any medical treatments anymore right uh food man food's essential until that day that i just don't need it anymore housing all of the things in this world there will one day be a day that we don't need that anymore but the need for jesus never goes away eternally we need jesus um, he is the need that we have that lasts uh, there will come a day when all other needs cease except for our need for a relationship with god through his son jesus christ the need for jesus is forever uh, there will come a day when the chance to hear about jesus ends and that's pretty important isn't it if we always need jesus but there's going to come a day when we don't have the chance to choose him any longer what then you know romans chapter 3 verse 23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god romans 6 26 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord Hell is an ugly subject. I don't like talking about hell. It's a horrible, ugly subject. But it's real in the Bible. It's the destiny of man separated from Jesus. It is our destiny without Jesus. With Jesus, there is life everlasting with a loving Father who has prepared an eternal home for us. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Three questions for us today. Uh, three questions and three things that we need. Um, first question I have, based on this text, what's, what's the problem? We, ha- we have a problem. I have a problem. I, I have terrible vision. I have just terrible vision. I'm sure I'm not, I, I know I'm not alone. I don't, uh, back, I, I can't keep track of the 20 over whatever. It was over a thousand ages ago. 
It's gotten worse since then. Um, so I don't, I don't know what, how those numbers work, uh, but I am definitely blind. Pamela has to make very sure that we color coordinate um, uh, the, the, the soap and the, uh, the, the shampoo and the conditioner have to be different colors. And she has to tell me what those colors are. Because in the shower, I have no ability to even holding the bottle up close. I just can't read it. I can't read what those say. And uh, if they're not the right color, I don't know what I'm, what I'm reaching for. Um, and, and for as bad as, you know, and, and while I, uh, my vision is, is pretty lousy. Now, and I've got contact lenses in, and these days I have to wear readers with the contact lenses. I'm not complaining. Number one, I've, I'm used to it by now. Number two, I... My, my 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 dad and mom are in bifocals or trifocals. My my sister has those toric contact lenses. I think that rotate and have to have to be the right way. I don't have any of that. It could be it could be worse. And I'm grateful for. I'm also grateful that we live in a day and age with eye doctors that can give us glasses. I I would be I would be sunk if this was back in the Middle Ages and and I would just be that that blind person begging at the city gate for handouts. And I'm glad that I don't have to do that. Um, I'm very grateful for the technology that we have. One day, I will say, one day when I'm no longer in this body and I have a new body, I will have new eyes. And I'll confess, I I look forward to that. I look forward to the the struggles of this body being done. Um, I I need new eyes. The ones that I have aren't any good. Uh, I can't can't see my hands and feet without, without my lenses on. Uh, but but what, a, what a telling statement for humanity. I'm not, not just am I the only one in glasses, but humanity is very blind. Most people in this world are so blind that, one of the, that the main thing that they can't see is that they are going to die, and they are going to die separated from God. They're going to die... And separated from God, they're going to die and go to hell. Let's call it for what it is. Let's not mince words, even if we don't like the words. They, they may not see that there is a hell. Uh, they, may not, they certainly don't think or see that they have a problem. The problem is, is that they need saving, and they don't see that. That's a blindness. That, that's, that's the most important blindness of all. To not realize what our problem is, that we are doomed to die separated from God without Jesus. But here's the other problem that goes with that. I think that so many Christians don't see that this is happening around them. I think so many Christians tune it out, and, and they're so caught up in their own world we need his eyes. We need Jesus' eyes because there's a problem. And if we can't see that problem, then, then, then we're part of the problem too. We don't see it. We're all caught up in our TV shows and our hunting and our fishing and our, our, our hobbies. We interact with people day after day and we kind of tune out the fact that they're lost. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And part of the reason the workers are few is because those that might go to the fields, those that might work, don't want to. Don't, don't see it, have tuned it out, have tuned out the need. We have that problem. We, we are blind. We, we, need, we need new eyes. We need God's eyes, the, kinds that, the kind of eyes that see. He saw that we were lost. 
And so God sent Jesus, and we, and we know that. Most, most people in the world don't, don't believe that. We do. They're blind, but while we see the need, I don't know that we're convincing, always convincing them, showing them what we've seen, and then that's, that's of no good. It doesn't help them, and God calls us to more. Uh, we, we don't always pay attention. It's easy to see, and, and, and we can see that people have problems, but the solution to the problem, we, can, we might see that they're blind, and then, and then we don't care. I turn back just a couple chapters. I, I can't help but remember Jesus' words in Matthew 7, verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We have a problem. We, we have, we're, our world isn't perfect. And, we, and, it, and, and, and some people will use that as the excuse of, well, I won't tell anybody else about Jesus, because who am I to tell them? My own world is, is not perfect. That doesn't help. That doesn't help them. In our imperfection, God works through us. That's, if it was just you, yeah, you're not enough, but with his Holy Spirit, we can do anything. And with his Holy Spirit, we can tell people of their need. Do we have the courage to pray, Lord, show me what I'm missing in my own life. Help me to become more godly. Too many people take a break. I've accepted Jesus into my heart, they say. I don't find that as a biblical phrase. I've accepted Jesus into my heart, and now, and now I'm good. I don't have to do anything. First off, God, show me where I'm not good. Show me how I can be more godly. Show me how I can be more Christ-like in what I do. And then, part two, it helped me take that message to the rest of the world. That's what we're called for. Can we pray, God, let me see the opportunities that I'm missing around me? It is easier, isn't it, to stay home and just do what we... The, day, long, the weeks have been... Long. I would have expected when the world shut down that we would have had... A, that things would have gotten easier for a while. Everybody has a forced two-week and counting vacation. Um, two weeks to flatten the curve, and here, here we are two years later, and we're still... And, 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 and I don't say that in, in any kind of... But, but it kept getting... And, and I would have thought that life would have got easier. Boy, it didn't. I just can't get over how it didn't. I would have thought we would have had time to clean the house. The house kind of fell apart. I would have thought that I would have had time to get all the reading done that I wanted to do and all these things while we were kind of stuck at home. It didn't happen. It's easier when we're exhausted to just say, somebody else's problem. I want to kick up my, my feet. It's been a long week. I just want to watch some TV on, on a Friday night or, or a Saturday. Or, and, and, and there's a point when... We look back on years and say, selfish. I, I was selfish for these years. All these years, I could have done a little bit more for Christ. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that seven nights a week you need to be in a soup kitchen. That's not, we do need to take time to rest and, and, and recuperate. But I think that it's very easy. I think it's human nature to fall into this selfish uh, uh, mindset where it's about us and we don't have God's eyes for the need of the world around us. I pray that we can have his eyes. But then this leads to the next question. Why should I care? It, 
It's optional, right? It's a choice. We're fickle creatures. We, we Remember when Haiti had those horrific earthquakes? And, and we cared about Haiti for a few weeks. And then we quit. Because it wasn't in the news anymore and we moved on. But the people of Haiti didn't move on. This is certainly my fear for the Ukraine. Um, I pray that the conflict ends. Uh, by the time we're done with the church, I, I pray that the conflict's over. They're going to be rebuilding their country for a generation. We're going to, when the conflict's over, we'll remember it for a week or two, and then human nature will kick in, and we will find the next thing that we will obsess about on the news, and we will move on, but the people of the Ukraine, they won't, they won't be moving on anytime soon. Even when the Russian forces leave, they will be rebuilding their lives, their schools, uh, their hospitals. We care for short bursts of time, long enough long enough that we can kind of pat ourselves on the back and sleep well at night. People are dying apart from God. We have to ask that question, do we, do we care? Maybe sometimes only for short bursts. Jeremiah chapter 17 tells us the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? The thing that we tend to care about, and it's human nature, that explains it, it doesn't excuse it, the thing that we care about the most is ourselves. We want what we want first. It, it, it may be natural, but it's not godly. Godly is when we look to others and place others before ourselves. That's what Jesus put us before his own needs, and that's what he calls us to do. This will not happen until we have God's heart, and we learn to love as God loves I think that we misunderstand this. I, I think that we, we're afraid that if we have God's heart, we'll, pack, we'll, we'll be required to pack up and move to Africa, um, change all of our friends, give away all of our money. Uh, I, I, and I think that we've also mistaken loving people as God loves them for liking people and everything they do. And that's not remotely the same thing. Um, Bluntly put, the point isn't to like someone. Uh, there's no question that there are some people that make liking them difficult. And, and some people will just rub each other wrong. That's, I think that's also just inevitable, that some people may be wonderful people, but because of being the exact same personality type or exact opposites, they just won't interact well. Uh, I also don't think that liking someone helps. I think you can like someone and still be selfish. It's harder to be selfish when you love someone. And there's a big difference then between liking someone and loving someone. And so I pray, Lord, help me to love people as you love people. And, and God, this is hard. <laughs> this doesn't come naturally to me. I, I don't always want to love people. Help me to want to love people. I have to confess that there are days that I don't want to. There are days that some people that I don't want to talk to or, or be around. And so on human effort, I would, wa- I, I would walk away. But when I listen to the Holy Spirit, and I, and, I, and I listen and try not to tune out and not hear the uncomfortable truths, I'm reminded that God loves, and he wants to love people through me. You know, we always talk about this relationship with God that we're, we are called to have. He wants us to have relationships with people. 
pray that we weep with him for the lost. That we have compassion for them. Not, not like them. That's not what I'm praying for. It's not liking people that God calls us to do. He wants us to have compassion. Multitudes are in need of a shepherd. The shepherd. He doesn't force this on mankind. Their hearts need to change. So does mine. I'm reminded that my heart needs to change and be more Christ-like. I need his heart. And so now we get to the final question that I want to ask. So what? What what are we going to do about this? People are dying without Jesus. The question is not whether or not we see that there is a problem. Seeing a problem doesn't solve it. The question isn't even whether or not I care. Lots of people care, at least for a while, sort of. Seeing that there is a problem doesn't solve it. Caring for the problem doesn't solve it. You can care for a while, but at the end of the day, people will go home, go back to feeling comfortable. Uh, you, know, you can feel compassionate, but bluntly put, you can get over that. <laughs> Which is what people want. Repentance means not to feel differently. Repentance has, when we talk about repenting, repenting doesn't mean to feel differently about something. Repentance means to turn around and go the other direction. Repentance requires a change of behavior. Jesus saying, go and sin no more, that's, that's the definition of repentance. The question is whether or not we're going to do anything about what we see and, and feel. I'm reminded that James in James chapter 2, James says, what good does it do, my brothers, if you see someone... Um, hungry, and I'm not going to quote it exactly, hungry and, and in need of food, clothing, and say to them, go, I wish you warm and well-fed, and then go on your way. It doesn't do them any good. James concludes that, 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 that chapter with saying that uh, uh, faith without works is dead. That's what we're called to. What God, uh, if we don't put our faith into action, then our, I'm not sure, it's, it's not faith, and it, and it becomes something of a waste of time. Seeing need, feeling sorry for someone and then going home, it's something of a waste of time. What God does on this earth, he does through us. Um, we are his hands. We need, we need his hands. We need to be his hands. There, there's no plan B. If we don't do it, it won't get done. And, and God's hands have nail scars. Nail scars from helping people that didn't want help. Sometimes the people that we help don't have the right eyes. They don't see their need. Sometimes they don't have the right heart. They don't care that they're lost. Sometimes they don't have the right hands, and they fight back, and they hit us, and we help them anyway. It's not always, ministry is not always pretty or glamorous, like those cops and doctors and lawyers shows. It's not always pretty and glamorous, but, but it's necessary. Ministry is dirty. Washing feet is dirty. 
shepherding the flock, Zechariah tells us. Uh, in, in the book of Zechariah, the, pro- the, the prophet has the chance to be, talks about being a shepherd to the people and describes how unglamorous it is and says that this, the flock hated him. And sometimes that's what it means to be the shepherd. Sheep kick and bite and smell bad, and it's not. Being a shepherd is not a glamorous profession. I, I think that ministry is a, is a beautiful thing. And, and, and we're all called to be ministers. The Bible's very clear on that. We're not all called to preach. We're all called to minister to our, to our community, to God's people. God's people, the church, God's people, humanity. I think ministry is great, but it's not always glamorous. It's, it, it's, it's not always good. Surgeons, uh, man, surgeons are amazing. I, 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 just can't, I just can't wrap my head around the things that they do. And we can make it look glamorous on TV, but it's, it's bloody. And sometimes the patients, sometimes patients die, right? I mean, and, and sometimes there are complications and uh, and. and and it's not always like it is on TV. I, I, I do think that they, I hope that they go home and they say, I did good work. I, I, I did something that, that was needed and I made people's lives better. But there are days that it probably doesn't feel like that and days that it's stressful. And ministry is no different. There are days that we say, man, we're in, the, we're in the business of saving souls. This is awesome. And there are days when we go home and say, I'm exhausted. I, I feel beat up. Um, I, I, I feel that I've been... I've, I've been run over by a truck, and, and this was not a good day for ministry. But Jesus, we know that he felt like that too. We read about his prayers in the garden. We, we, we know that he would withdraw to lonely places to be alone with God. We, we read about his struggles, and we can't think that we're not going to have them also. Uh, the lives of the apostles, Paul and James and Jude, and we, we read about these heroes of the New Testament and our and if their lives were rough and Jesus's life is rough then then in ministry our life will be too it it's worth it we know that it's worth it but it's tough going in the short term you know it's easy to it, it's easy to pray that somebody else gets the task what about us can we do it you know it's easy to pray god send missionaries don't send me don't send my kids don't send my grandkids send somebody else that's easy to do but, but what about us? And what about our commitment to following God? I mean, we might, if, if we're going to pray that, we might as well not, not pray. We can't draw close to God on our terms. It has to be on His. Our, 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 our invitation, hymn of invitation, is hymn number 332. We didn't plan this, working on songs and sermon together, but boy, they fit. When we pray, will we see what He saw Will we feel what he felt and feels? Do we do what he did? Do, do we want to? I guess that's an important question. Do we want to? We, we just like the TV shows can make forensics and, and police, they can make that look glamorous when it's not. We can try to clean up Jesus and make him clean and, and dignified and... and I think Jesus uses to refer to that kind of religion as whitewashed. But the true Jesus was dirty and tired and hated, loving, oh so loving, but not the, not the clean, 
pristine version that we present. And that's what we're called to be as well, a practical faith that gets dirty and helps people in, in, in their need. We are called to follow, not to watch and listen. Following means ministering along the way. Have you made the decision to follow Jesus where he's leading, not where you want to go, where he's leading, how he's leading? If you haven't made that decision, I want to talk with you. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.